0: Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Feathers in My Hair, my podcast about the show Teen Mom, which is a dying show. So I have decided that I am going to be recapping Teen Mom 2, Season 3. I'm going to start at Episode 1. And just go through the season, I guess. Team Mom 2, excuse me, not Team Mom 2, Team Mom Young and Pregnant did announce that they're coming back in, I think, the last week in June. That's very exciting. I'm very excited for it. I truly cannot understand the casting choice behind keeping that Madison girl who had absolutely no storyline and getting rid of Kayla, who, while many, did not like her storyline I did and at least she had something going on Madison will be back but what I think I'm gonna do is recap Team Mom Young and Pregnant every other week uh, and just do two episodes at once because as much as I love watching Team Mom Young and Pregnant there's just like not as much to talk about with them I think <clears throat> it's mostly because like The reason I find so much to talk about with the teen moms is because I've just been following them for my entire life at this point, and that's just not true for Teen Mom Young and Pregnant, but I'm really excited it's coming back, and so what I think I'll do is do this season and then, like, alternate with Teen Mom Young and Pregnant, like, go on and off with the throwbacks and the Young and Pregnants. I think that'll be a nice way to do it. I'm looking forward to it. I cannot believe that they're getting rid of that Kayla girl, Kayla J. The amount of people I see on, like, Reddit and Instagram be like, she needs to go because she purposely got pregnant. I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm sorry. We're still pretending like we care about the morality of the people that are cast on this show. No. And I know a lot of people don't want Madison on the show because she's, like, an extreme anti vaxer And obviously, like, that's bad. <laughs> you guys know I'm, like... Pro Pro Provax. Pro 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 Provax. You know. Go to vaccine.gov. For a way to get your vaccination. But I like. I don't really care that much. If she's on the show. With those views. Because I just don't care that much. About the views of any of these people. As far as like. You should be fired or not fired from the show. She's just fucking boring. She truly has nothing going on. Saying pro. Reminded me of the fact. That I want to announce. That I once. The Roe v. Wade decision comes down. Um, The Dobbs, I guess we're going to be calling it the Dobbs decision now. I, I don't know how we're going to be referring to it. But the case that will be overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, as well as Casey versus uh, Planned Parenthood, will be coming possibly this week. They're putting out... Rulings on Monday and Wednesday will be coming by the end of the month is my understanding. I am going to do some fundraising. I'm going to do it here and on the Patreon. You Go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. If you want to join my Patreon. Last week I talked about what did I talk about last week? True life. I'm a Jersey Shore girl. That was great. Loved it. This week, Princess and I are going to be recapping uh, the season of Real World Homecoming New Orleans, which I loved. I thought was so great. I know Princess really liked it. I'm excited to talk to her about it. So if you're interested in my Patreon, go there. But I am going to, I think, do like a fundraiser of some sort. Once the decision comes down to donate to some abortion funds throughout the country... Uh, you guys know, like two weeks ago, we were able to raise over $2,000 for uh, domestic violence centers across the country when the Depp per trial verdict came out. And so I think I would like to do something similar. I really love, um, as you guys know, like micro donations and pulling a bunch of donations together to make a larger donation. I think it's like just a really nice way to donate. So I will be doing that. I watched last night. I would definitely suggest this on HBO. There is a documentary and it's called, I think it's Jane. I think it's just called Jane. Uh, It's about the Jane Collective, which is something that I knew about. I don't, I don't know how. (laughs) I just knew about it. I read like a graphic novel about them a few years ago. And basically they were these women in Chicago who gave abortions. It started with them having like a, what they thought was a doctor doing the abortions, and then they taught themselves how to do abortions. It's a really fascinating story. They did really important work. Um, It was a really great doc. (laughs) But I will say the end of it was (laughs) the woman talking about Roe v. Wade being passed and how it changed everything, and there was no longer a need for their work, and they could, like, move on, and... You know, it it ended on such a positive note that I was really upset and crying um, because, you know, it, like we're possibly three days away from Roe v. Wade being overturned in this country. So that was a really good documentary. I really recommend watching that if you're interested in just like the history of illegal abortions in this country. And also, I will say in some ways it made me feel, I don't know, it made me remember, like, we don't have to go back to, like, do you know the mob used to be, like, in charge of giving illegal abortions? We don't have to go back to that. Like, if women organize, you know, that, like, even if it is illegal, like, there can still be safe abortions. I've read a lot about how medical abortions really create like a very different conversation in terms of a post row world versus a pre row world. Um, There is a safe way to get women pills to have a medical abortion in 2022 that did not exist in, you know, pre-1970, whatever, to what year was Roe v. Wade? I don't know, early, mid-70s. So that is a little reassuring. But, yeah, I want to raise some money. It will make me feel better and everything I do is selfishly motivated. (laughs) I just, I can't believe that, like, that this is happening. I mean, I can believe. I knew this was going to happen. Well, I mean, as soon as uh, What's-Her-Face got appointed, right? Well, really, as soon as uh, Kavanaugh got appointed. But then especially Amy Coney Barrett. And then when they had the arguments back in December, it was like the writing was on the wall and I was really upset about that. So in some ways it's good because I kind of got that like extreme shock and sadness out of the way back in December. But yeah, it's still it's very shocking. It's very scary. I'm, I'm very worried, but there are collective actions that we can take as a society and it's going to be real fucking hard to regulate traveling for abortion for the government and, of course, that is going to hurt the most disenfranchised women. But the reality is, like, in the states that are going to have illegal abortions as soon as review aid drops, um, those women already essentially can't get abortions. Like, I don't know if most people are aware, but, like, many states have one abortion clinic. <laughs> like, one in the whole fucking state. Um, it, and they have, like, all of these crazy regulations around getting one. So, The people on the ground doing the work, that's another thing is that, like, there are so many activists and uh, organizations, like, already on the ground doing the work that are, like, I mean, (laughs) I don't think anybody can ever be ready for this, but, like, are ready for this. Um, Even in the state of Pennsylvania, I was reading something the other day that we had in the 80s 115 abortion clinics by, like, the early 2000s. It had, like, decreased to half, and now there's, like, 26 or something. So, I mean, and that's in, like, a pretty liberal state. So imagine, you know, people already can't get abortions. They already can't get abortions in these trigger states, as we're calling them. So, yeah, that that's my depressing little news update, but keep an eye out. Follow Feathers underscore pod. I will be posting once I get, once the word comes down. I mean, I could start earlier, but I think, I think I'm just going to wait. So we'll see. Anyway, should we talk about Teen Mom Season (laughs) 3? Teen Mom 2 Season 3? I picked this season because I really feel like I've not watched these episodes in quite a long time. Like, it's been a while since I watched any of these episodes. And I was kind of going through, I was like, should I do Season 2? And then I was like, hmm feel like I rewatched some of these recently and I kind of remember these. And Team Up Season 3 is, first of all, the last season that happens before their, like, year-long hiatus. And really what I was interested in, because you guys know I've been kind of obsessed with her lately, is the Leah, Corey, Jeremy drama. Uh, I wanted to rewatch, like, when she kind of goes back and forth between them. This is Janelle... Kind of spiraling out. It's over the break between this season and the next when she gets married to Cortland. This is when she starts doing heroin. Um, Chelsea is, like, about to get into her post-Adam era. This is kind of the end of it with Adam. Kale, does she meet Javi in this season? I can't remember if she meets I think she meets Javi next season. Well, no, because didn't Kale and Javi... Kale must meet Javi this season. I don't remember, but a lot of stuff happens in this season. It's a real transition period, in my opinion, for the cast. I also think that this is kind of the the height of Teen Mom, too, right? Like, this is kind of the show at its best, and so I thought it would be fun to go through it. I'm going to do two episodes each week, I think. Unless, like, I watch an episode that just has so much to talk about. I like the two-episode format. I think it just... Gives me much more to talk about each episode. So we're starting with episodes one and two. Oh, I don't even know where. I think I'm going to start with Kale because she actually had the least interesting of the storylines in these first two episodes. But Kale is, of course, we have to go through like what happened on last season, where we are now. And she meets up with some friends and they're talking about Isaac's daycare where he got like a report card, I guess. And I actually really felt for Kale in this moment because (laughs) the daycare was like, he's not social. He doesn't play with other kids. Like, not a positive report. And Kale was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about this. And I was like, oh, that's some real shit. Like, being told some serious shit. Not serious, but some stuff about your kid and just, like, not knowing how to change it. I felt bad for her there. But... She meets up with her friend Mark and a girl that I don't know. And she says that she can't. She's lonely. She misses Jordan. Jordan helped her so much. If you remember, her and Jordan broke up at the end of last season for cheating on him with Joe. And she's like, it's just not. I can't be with Jordan because he does things for me. This is hard to watch in a lot of ways with Kale because... A thing that I like about this season that I kind of noticed when I was watching was that this is, like, a really, like, fork in the road season in many ways. Because, well, one, they're about to, like, make some real fucking money, right? Like, they're about to make some serious money. uh, And they're also, like, their kids are, like, turning, two Things have changed. I feel like there are decisions that are being made that really affect them for quite a long time. And for Kale, it's relationships and it, it just sucks because obviously they were still very young. Kale was what, 20? I mean, Chelsea turns 20 in one of these episodes, I think. So Kale's probably 19. I think Chelsea's a little older than the other girls. Um, So I think Kale's like 19. Obviously, like she wasn't going to get all her shit together, but this is when you like really see her patterns developing And it sucks that, like, instead of figuring that out, it just all gets significantly worse, right? Like, oh, my God, I forgot to talk about this. I don't know why this just popped in my head, but hold on. We need to take a detour because Corey Wharton uh, of Teen Mom OG, Cheyenne's uh, baby's father, had his second baby with Taylor. That's his third baby altogether. And they were taking, like, quite a while to post the pictures and announce that it happened. And everybody's kind of like, are they trying to sell the pictures? What's going on? And they posted yesterday that poor baby was born with, like, a serious congenital heart defect. And she had to have an open heart surgery. She'll have to get another one in, like, a year. And then another one before she's, like, five. Like, really serious shit. I, felt, I feel really bad for them. Uh, her name is... Maya Grace which kind of surprised me because their first baby's name is Mila and Mila and Maya are very very similar names but hopefully the baby will be okay uh, I feel for Corey this is his second child born with a very serious health issue I don't I don't know what's going on with that but like that's a lot to deal with and a lot to take on so we are keeping them in our thoughts and hopefully little baby Maya will be in good health. I was reading, and as long as like the surgeries are kept up with, most likely she should be completely or mostly fine. Um, so that's good. But yeah, it's so sort of sad. Okay, back to Kale. I don't know what I how I thought of that. But I just wish that like Kale had made some different choices here and like Recognize, like, oh God, I'm making the same mistakes with all my boyfriends. Like, I'm lonely and I'm just getting with these guys because I'm lonely. But I think she was probably just still too young for that. So, Kayle lets us know that she hasn't seen much of Joe because he's focusing on his music career. And she's heard that she's dating a girl from his video. And this is the story of V. This is where V comes in. Uh, Mark comes over to her house and they're talking about the music video. And so they decide to watch it. And Kale is racist. Ooh. I'm also looking forward to talking about Kale and V, and the way that Kale treats her, especially in this season. And it's so interesting because Kale, you guys know I've always said that Kale has like kind of a surprisingly... A lot of self-awareness. She's just completely unable to do anything with that self-awareness. And it definitely comes up in this season. But they're watching the music video, which is very silly. Uh, And Kale says that, you know, I just think his girl's looking like a hood rat, which is so gross. It's so gross. First of all, V looks beautiful. She's 17 years old. I kind of forgot how young V was when her and Joe started dating. Um, but she is very young. She's beautiful. She's wearing a, like, a cute outfit. Like, it, Kale's only saying this because she's not white. Like, I'm 100% sure of that. There's truly no reason for her to be criticizing V in any, like, the, the what she's saying doesn't even make any fucking sense. It would never be acceptable for her to say it, but, like, it doesn't even make any sense except for the fact that V is not white. So Mark is like, how do you even know that they're together? And Kale's like, I'm not really sure. And Kale goes, her name is V. (laughs) Mark is like, well, I think you're just jealous. And Kale's like, yeah, duh. (laughs) Like, once again, there's that self-awareness. She says her and Joe have hooked up a couple of times. And she needs to know if V is going to be around Isaac. um, Which is, you know, just rich because... As always, like Kale is allowed to do whatever she wants with Isaac. But the minute that Joe dares like have another girl breathe in Isaac's direction, Kale flips out. So then the Kale has another friend come over and she's telling her about V. And she tells us this story that she went over to Joe's one morning when Joe had Isaac. It was 11 a.m. and she went over there to check on Isaac. And I was like, what? That was, like, weird to me. I I mean, obviously, she, like, went over there to fuck with Joe and V, right? Like, she was like, well, I went there to check on Isaac. And I was like, well, why would you be doing that? Like, he's at his dad's house. Why would you be going to check on him? She says she's got there. Uh, Isaac is, like, alone downstairs. Uh, He hasn't been fed yet, which I'm not really sure how she determined that. Isaac's not really like none of the kids are really talking yet I think there are the babies are all around like 18 months old it looks like and she's like well Isaac hadn't been fed yet and Joe and his girl were upstairs and it's like okay obviously like that that's not okay if Joe is supposed to be watching Isaac and Isaac is downstairs by himself and Joe is upstairs having sex with his girlfriend like that That's not okay if Isaac is young and if he's awake, he needs to be being watched. Uh, Also, like, if he really has not been fed at 11 a.m., like, that's, like, halfway through a baby's day. Like, babies get up at 5 or 6 a.m. By 11, usually they've already had a nap, they're eating lunch. Like, that is obviously not okay, but I'm not really sure that I trust Kale's account of this story But yeah, like obviously somebody should be watching Isaac, especially like his dad that doesn't have other obligations. Like it's one thing if you have the baby at home and like you have to work from home. And so you put the baby like in its little playpen in front of the TV and maybe go work in the other room. But like if you're just having sex with your new girlfriend like that, that's obviously not okay. Kale says, you know, Isaac's room, it's right next to Joe's room, and she's sleeping in the same room, and Isaac can hear them, and she's sleeping in the room that I slept in while I was pregnant. She's sleeping in the bed that I slept in while I was pregnant, and it's like, oh, yeah, because that's Joe's bed. Like, It's also very rich of her to be like, and Isaac was in the next room, because She has that teeny tiny little apartment and she had Jordan like living with her. So, oh my gosh. Uh, Kale said that she was livid and she just took Isaac and left, basically. She's like, you know, they can call it jealousy or whatever, but I just don't like it. And this is where she has a moment of self-reflection. She goes, you know, but when I was with Jordan and Joe was upset, I was telling him he just needed to get over it. And it's like, yeah, because you're a hypocrite. She just, like, says that and then flies right past it. And it's such a fascinating thing with Kale because she'll just be saying something and she'll stop and be like, well, that's not really fair. But anyway, like, and just keep going. She has these moments where it's like, she seems like she's going to get it and then it's like, meh, I'm going to keep going. So Joe comes over because they want to talk about what's going on. And Kale's like, are you with V? And he's like, yeah, kind of. And she's like well, does V know that you and I still have sex? And Joe is like, um, no. And Kale's like, well, I thought that we were getting back together. And Joe is like, well, I told you that it was a mistake after we slept together. I was like, so what's happening? Kale then retorts, yeah, but then we did it again. And that, oof, oof, that, like, catapulted me back to being 19 where you're hooking up with some guy that clearly doesn't like you and he makes it clear that he doesn't like you but then he hits you up to have sex again and you're like well I guess he does like me like I was in so many of those stupid situations when I was young and oh gosh I just like I know that exact feeling of a guy being like well I I told you you're not we're not serious and it's like yeah but then like all of your behavior said otherwise so I just assumed like didn't really mean anything gosh i just i also love that they're just on such different pages joe <laughs> i'm curious like where the truth is because kale's saying like does v know that we still have sex and K- joe is like basically being like well we don't have sex like did they hook up twice or are they actively hooking up like that's different what is the timeline here I have questions. Joe then basically says, like, I don't want to hook up with you anymore. Like, that's how the episode ends. And he's like, I don't think we should do this anymore. I'm going to take a quick little break here and then we'll get into part two of Kale. So in episode two, we meet V. Isn't that so exciting? Kale has a lip scar, like a scar from her lip piercing. (laughs) That is so visible. Oh, my God. Someone tell Gen Z to never let anybody near their face with a piercing gun. Well, I guess they don't use guns because that shit does not heal. It looks so bad. It's all I can look at when I'm looking at her face. Kale lets us know that she's regretting cheating on Jordan. Basically being like, well, she tells her friend, well, Joe has a girlfriend. Well, girlfriend with like air quotes. And she's like, they're just really having sex. And it's like, Kale you little bitter Betty the funny thing is Kale keeps saying, like I know I'm just jealous it's like okay so like do something with that knowledge Kale I'm begging you it's funny in AA in the big book of AA there's a line where it's like self-knowledge avails us nothing and it's always what I think of when I hear Kale talking and what it really means is that mm, do I want to get into this Basically means that, like, knowing you're an alcoholic doesn't stop you from being an alcoholic. Like, knowing that you cannot stop drinking is not enough to make you stop drinking, which I actually found to be very true. I had all of – I, like, knew exactly why I was the way that I was for many things, and then there was, like, a brick wall that I could not permeate. It was like I could sit down with a therapist and tell them every single thing that was wrong in my life, why every single thing was wrong in my life, and then was like, okay, okay. Like, that's it. Like, can't do anything else about it. Like, I just couldn't get past that. And I kind of think that's where Kale is. Not calling Kale an alcoholic, but I do think that's true for a lot of people with, like, mental health issues that still have, like, a good sense of self-awareness and, like, knowledge about themselves. And it's really frustrating because it's like, I know exactly what's wrong and I can't fix it. And I would say Kale probably could relate with that now. I'm sure at the time she didn't think like that. kale and, kale and V. kale tells her friend that she's going to call Jordan because she <laughs> is lonely. Oh, she also decides that she's going to call her mom. Now, this is really sad. This is really fucking sad. So for the first time in many years, basically, kale doesn't have a boyfriend, right? Like, we know Kale goes from relationship to relationship to relationship, and Ooh, it's kind of heartbreaking in this episode because you see why she's doing it. You see directly why she's doing it. She doesn't have a boyfriend. She's feeling lonely. So she calls her mom. She's like, I just want to have a relationship with my mom. Maybe now that like I have nobody in my life, I can work on things with my mom. And, you know, there's been a trend in the last few years on Reddit, I've noticed, where people are like, Maybe Susie isn't that bad. Kale's such a fucking liar that I don't believe anything she says. And, like, I will die on the hill that Susie is that bad. Like, I will die on the hill that Susie is a terrible mother. And all you have to do is watch shit like this. And people will be like, well, you know, she let Kale live with her for a little while. It's like, yeah, that's her fucking mom. Kale is 19 years old. She is lonely. She calls her mom. She's like, Isaac, like, maybe your mommy will – maybe – Like, grandma will call us back. She leaves a message and it's like, I just want to talk. She tries to call her mom again. And her mom has blocked her number. (laughs) That is so fucking sad. That is so incredibly sad. Kale is so young. She is so desperate for love. She knows her mom cannot give her that love, right? Like, I think Kale, of all people, is very aware of that, even at 19, that her mom is not there for her but she is lonely and not sure what else to do and so she does the thing that many children do when they're lonely is reach out to their parent because that's what we're socialized to do even if we're in a not so healthy family and like hearing the recording that her mom blocked her number was oh I just felt so sad for her I felt so fucking sad for her And it's like, oh, yeah, this is why Kale is the way she is. Now, does that excuse all of her behavior? No, of course not. We don't need to get into it. We know that mental health, like, excuses things. It's an explanation, not an excuse. By the way, you know what I find really stupid? Um, I guess the people on last podcast on the left, which is a podcast I viscerally hate, like, (laughs) I turned it on not really, just thinking it was like another true crime podcast, and their voices made me want to die. Like, I I cannot fully explain it. I wanted to throw my phone across the room. But I guess they say something like, mental health is not a choice, but it's your responsibility, which is, like, the most basic line in the world. And anytime anybody types that on Reddit, they will be, like, a like hundred comments like, oh, hail yourself! Because I guess that's how they talk to each other. And I'm like, they didn't invent that. Like, do you guys really fucking think the people on last podcast on the left were the first people to come up with saying that, like, Mental health is an explanation, not an excuse, or it's not a choice, but you have a responsibility for it. Hello? You really like. <laughs> anytime I see people being like, oh, you must be a last podcast on the left fan, whenever anybody says that, I'm like, no, they just like have the tiniest bit of knowledge about mental health. Like, what? It's nonsensical cool to me. But this scene, like, really, really explained it. Kale is feeling rejected from Joe. She's fucked her relationship up with Jordan, a guy that she really liked, that was perfectly nice. She probably doesn't know why she fucked up her relationship with Jordan. She just knows that she did. She is all alone and she's like, I'm going to call my mom. And her mom says, go fuck yourself. Not even. Her mom doesn't even give her the benefit of saying go fuck yourself. She doesn't even give Kale those words. It's so deeply upsetting. And, you know, a person with a healthy family like let's take chelsea for example like every time chelsea got dumped by adam or was hurt by adam she could call her dad sobbing or her mom and they would come and pick her up and cuddle her and love on her and yeah it took her a while to like finally get rid of adam and like god only knows what trauma chelsea had in her life that like made her open to somebody like adam but eventually she got there right and she found a healthy relationship with a good person. And I like I have to wonder what Kale's life would look like if after her rejections, she was able to turn to a parent that loved her and to cry to them and look to them for support. And she received that support back. Right. Like I I have to wonder. But instead, Kale makes herself vulnerable. She calls her mom, leaves her a message, doesn't hear back calls her mom again and her mom blocks her like that fucks you up that fucks you up and the lesson is don't you dare be fucking vulnerable don't you dare don't you dare be vulnerable and like let somebody be there for you because they're not gonna you're not you're not and she's been learning that lesson her whole fucking life from her mom and her father who wasn't in the picture at all and it's just so oh this really made me upset and so she's like, well, then I'm going to call Jordan and get back together with Jordan. And it's like, oh, my God. oh, It's so hard to, like, watch their behavior in these early episodes, knowing that for most of them, like, nothing really changes. But basically, we see Joe and V go out to dinner and they talk about the fact that Kill's jealous. And V is actually really generous about this. And she's like, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't blame her that she's jealous. Like, that's your baby's mother. Or, like, this is a hard position to be in. And she's like, I just want to be on good terms. <laughs> good luck. Uh, the episode ends with Kale going over to see Jordan. And basically, they decide that they're going to get back together. Which is... <sighs> Poor Jordan. <laughs> I don't think Jordan really knew, like, where he... what place he played in Kale's emotional baggage alright let's pop over to South Dakota to talk about old Chelsea Chelsea looks insane in this season <laughs> that's truly the only way to put it she has that terrible bleach blonde hair the most disgusting extensions I've ever seen in my life uh, we know that Chelsea is not into brushing her hair and it's especially bad here it looks like a rat's nest so is living on the back of her head Oh, it's so bad. It's so, so, so bad. So Chelsea is working. She has her job at Year Round Brown. Uh, And she is getting back with Adam. She lets us know that she doesn't like working this job. She's had long shifts. Her mom watches Aubrey while she's at work. And she never really gets to see Aubrey because she's always asleep when she's not at work. Which, yes, that is a problem for working parents. And I have a lot of empathy for people who have to deal with that. But it's funny that Chelsea's solution to this is just quit her job and never get a new one. <laughs> like, and I know her job was being on Teen Mom. But I don't think they were making the money at this point. I think that they make the money, like, at the end of this season, they get, like, a big bonus. And then when they come back for season four. It's just so fun. Well, I don't know. Because Chelsea's driving a nice car. but her dad could have bought her that. But it just really, it really made me laugh. She's like, well. I'm just not going to (laughs) work. Chelsea goes to get Aubrey from Mary's house and they both have feathers in their hair. There's so many feathers. There's so many hair feathers. Almost everybody that pops across the screen in this episode has a hair feather. Such a staple, such a moment in time. Uh, Mary asks what's going on with Adam and she's like, are you together? And Chelsea's like, no, well, maybe kind of in her terrible baby voice. And, Basically, she lets us know that her and Adam are, like, not hooking up with other people, but they don't have any labels on it. And I'm like, okay, girly. (laughs) Oh, gosh. She lets us know that she's passed the first of her five GED tests. Uh, A friend comes over, another hair feather. (laughs) I'm telling you, every person has a hair feather. And her friend is like, well, does Randy know that you're back with Adam? And Chelsea is like, no. No. And her friend, like, in a way, I kind of feel bad for Chelsea in these episodes. Don't get me wrong, like, Adam is such an asshole, but Chelsea's so pathetic in these episodes that it it makes me feel sad. Because Chelsea's doing things like talking about the fact that Adam is back in her life and she's so happy and her friends are like, oh... And she's like, well, why? Well, it's wrong. And her friends are like, well, you shouldn't be with him. Like at this point, like she's fully at the point where her friends are like, you need to dump Adam because he's a monster. And she is at the point where she's back with Adam on cloud nine because Adam is showing her the teeniest, tiniest bit of affection. Basically, Adam is like coming to her house and fucking her at night. And like she's on overjoyed on top of the world. And Adam, like is such an asshole and everybody knows it. And her friends are like, this isn't good. And Chelsea is in that stage where I think she is starting to like, kind of see that everybody around her is not going to like support her being with Adam. And she's like upset about it because her friend is like, I just, I don't, this isn't good. Like, I don't like this. And Chelsea's like mad. (laughs) She's like, okay, well, I'm really happy. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. She says that she really envisions her future without him in it. And this is a really funny moment. Her friend goes, well, I'm just like nervous that he's back in the picture. And Chelsea goes, well, he's always going to be in the picture because of Aubrey. So we may as well just be together. <laughs> girl. <laughs> what are you talking about, girly? <laughs> gosh she like snaps at her friend like she's mad then her and Adam go out for dinner Chelsea is like over the moon that Adam is going to like sacrifice an hour of his time to go out to dinner where she could go buy him dinner with Aubrey. it's so bad it's so bad um and Aubrey is acting up just in a typical baby way she wants to be held she doesn't want to sit down she's like throwing herself all around and Watching these scenes and, like, imagining what Cole would be doing is just so, it's like, wow. (laughs) Adam is bad enough on his own, but now that we've seen the way that Cole, like, worships Chelsea, it's even harder to watch Adam because Adam is just laughing. And it is, like, Chelsea is trying a little hard to control Aubrey in a way that probably just isn't going to work because Aubrey's a toddler. And I get why Adam's kind of laughing, but... Chelsea's like, Adam, help me. Help. Stop laughing. Help. And you know Cole would have, like, picked Aubrey up, walked her around the restaurant. Like, there's just, Adam is such an asshole. (laughs) He is such a fucking asshole. Like, every time he's on screen, you are watching him abuse Chelsea, basically. And it's so hard to watch because Chelsea is so desperate for his love. And approval. Oh gosh, it, it's really tough to watch. And so Chelsea, he's being like, Aubrey, you're being naughty. <laughs> Classic Chelsea. <laughs> Aubrey is, you guys know, my favorite teen mom kid at this age. I just think she's so fucking cute and funny, and her little voice is so cute. But Adam gets a phone call, and he's like on the phone, and she's like, Get off your phone. <laughs> And then once he does, she's like, it just feels so good. It feels so good to be hanging out with you and Aubrey. (laughs) And Adam's like, yeah, like, I really like it. It makes me really happy. And Chelsea goes, really? You like it? (laughs) The episode ends with her being like, you know, it's just really good that we're not rushing into anything and, like, putting a label on what we are. What? what? God, she is so desperate to keep Adam around that she'll say anything. And so in episode two, uh, she lets us know that it's her birthday tomorrow and Adam's coming over because he has to work the next day and he's going to be giving her her gift and he gets her <laughs> a promise ring. Chelsea truly is going to self-combust out of joy. Like, <laughs> I know this is terrible, but there is something funny about watching, like, it's not funny because Chelsea was in a very abusive relationship with Adam. I want to make that clear. But Chelsea is just so funny looking in this season. Like, her outfits and her hair and her makeup are so insane and they're just so different from the Chelsea that we know now that watching her interact with Adam and watching her like bursting with joy just really it just makes me laugh I can't help it Adam says it's a promise ring a promise that he wants to be together and a promise that this time it's going to be real and Chelsea immediately slips it onto her left hand her ring finger and is like great we're engaged (laughs) she keeps telling people it's an engagement ring and then goes just kidding and I'm like are you are you just kidding Because I'm pretty sure in her head, she's like, you know, she says like, Amber, we're fiance now. Like, I really, I really think that Chelsea's like, okay, cool, we're engaged. Because she says it a lot. She says it to multiple people and then goes, "Mm, I'm just kidding. No, you're not, girl. No, 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 you're not. So she goes out to lunch with her friend and does the engagement thing. And her friend is like, so he's promising you what? Like, nobody is happy for her. Oh, my gosh. Also, it's so funny that Chelsea and her friends always dress exactly alike, no matter, like, who she's friends. Like, she has totally different friends now, but they all are identical to one another. But it's funny because back in these episodes, all of her friends are identical to her. Chelsea quits her job. She gets into a fight with her manager. Basically, she goes over to her mom's house to tell her this, and she lets us know that... Oh, no, wait. Sorry. She's at lunch with her friend and she's telling her friend this. Sorry, sorry, because this is when her friend notices the ring and that's when she does like the engagement ring joke. But she says she got a fight with her manager. She called out of work and they told her that she was being irresponsible and she cried and then she quit because <laughs> she, she doesn't want to go back. Chelsea says she loves the ring because Adam never buys her anything. And I'm like, yeah, I really, I really, really, really believe that. Randy apparently has no idea what's going on in her life. He doesn't know that she's back with Adam. He doesn't know that she's going to quit her job. Uh, and Chelsea quit via voicemail because this is Chelsea. You know, this is Chelsea Huska. How do you say her last name? Houska, right? Chelsea DeBoer, who... Has never been able to be confrontational a minute in her life. I'm still not over her, refusing to answer the door when Grandma Donna came over to talk to her. (laughs) She's such a little baby. She's such a little baby in a way that I find incredibly annoying. But, yeah, she quits her job. So she goes over to her mom's to talk about it. And her mom sees the ring she shows her mom the ring and she does the engagement ring joke again and tells her mom it's a promise ring and her mom goes so what's the promise <laughs> oh gosh she tells her mom that she quit the job and her mom's like well did you give two weeks and she says mom i couldn't mom they were mean to me and i got my feelings hurt and i just couldn't go back there <laughs> Uh, she's having a little birthday get together at Randy's. He's having a little barbecue. She's having friends come over and her friends come over to the house. They see the ring and they're like, does Randy know about this? And she's like, no. And it's so obvious that Chelsea wants to tell Randy. I mean, Chelsea loves and is very close with her father. And I just think it's like very... Funny to me that she's like pretending like she doesn't want Randy to know because she wears the ring over to his house. She's like, do you think if I put it on like my middle finger, he won't notice it? And her friends are like, yeah, he's going to notice it, which is exactly what happens. She does the engagement ring joke again, by the way, and her friends are like, what? (laughs) You know, it's bad that when you like tell your friends as a joke that you've gotten engaged to your boyfriend and they're like, oh, no, (laughs) like take take that as a sign. So they're at Randy's. He's like, so what's that ring? Um, And she's like, well, you know, it's from Adam. And (laughs) her friend goes, did he buy it himself? (laughs) Which is a question I had as well. Randy is not happy. She also tells him that she quit her job. And she's like, it's my birthday. You're not allowed to be mad at me. And he's He's not happy. He's just not happy. I I feel for Randy in this moment. But at the same time, it's like, this is the monster that you've created, Rand. You know. You know that this is Chelsea. You know that she gets back with Adam. But, oh, gosh, it must be so hard when you have a child in an abusive relationship like that. And, like, you finally think that they've broken away from them. And then he's back. Oh. I actually feel for Randy and Mary. Also, it's interesting, like... Everybody talks about how close Chelsea's with Randy, and she definitely is, but she's very close with her mom, and I think that, like, gets lost in the sauce because her and her mom bicker, but I noticed every, like, major life update, and quite a few of them happen in these first two episodes, Chelsea tells her mom first and, like, fully tells her mom, and I think it's because her dad holds the power in their family, her mom and her bicker but like she can tell her mom like I quit my job and what's her mom gonna do her mom's just gonna go oh Chelsea Chelsea she's gonna be like I'm back with Adam and her mom's gonna be like do you think that's a good idea Chelsea but her dad could be like I'm gonna stop paying rent I'm gonna like her dad can still make consequences in her life in a way that her mom can't her dad also like you can tell Randy's pissed because he goes well you're not gonna be able to get a new job because you don't have a GED She's like, I know. <laughs> oh, Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. All right. Let's talk about Leah, who ended last season filing for divorce. Uh, she says she is, you know, getting along, along okay with Corey. He has the girls every weekend. And she lets us know that she had to quit her job at the dentist's office because of everything going on. <laughs> what she means by that, I'm not sure. <laughs> A.K. like MTV gave us a decent paycheck and I don't want to fucking work at that job anymore, which makes sense. She has to work, take care of those two babies all the time. Uh, So they're still not sure what's going on with Allie at this point in time. And she's obviously feeling a lot of stress over it. Allie's in physical therapy and like getting all these tests done. And I guess the test results are coming back normal. And obviously there is something going on. I can't imagine how frustrating it is to have You know, like, you know something is not right with your child and the doctors are like, well, everything looks fine, but it it obviously doesn't. So her friend Kayla is over and they're talking about Corey and Leah's like, well, you know, we just like we both gave up. She's Leah's like really, really depressed. Nothing about Leah's words and her actions like add up in this episode. If you'll remember Corey and Leah got divorced six months after getting married because Leah cheated on Corey. Now, the way Leah tells the story (laughs) is that Leah needed a new house for the girls. The place they were living was really awful. And Corey went out and bought a truck. Uh, Corey says that, like, he has to have a truck for work. His truck broke. He needed a new truck. They didn't need at that exact moment to live in a new place. Uh... Then it comes out that Leah cheated on Corey with Robbie. So Corey goes and talks to an attorney and Mama Dawn, as she does, as she loves to do, gets on the horn and is like, you have to go file for divorce immediately because if you don't, Corey will get full custody. I, I don't know what Dawn like got in Leah's head. And so Leah goes and files for divorce immediately. So then they're getting divorced the thing that's really difficult about this is that, like, I know that Leah only filed for divorce because her mom told her to. And I think that she still doesn't comprehend, like, Corey talking to an attorney doesn't mean that Leah, like, that day had to go file for divorce. I think she still fully is like, well, Corey talked to the attorney, so he filed for divorce, even though she is absolutely the one that filed it. Because Dawn was in her ear. Oh gosh, Dawn is a piece of work. So they have an appointment for Allie coming up and Corey texts to let her know that she's going. And Leah is shocked by this and decides to text back. (laughs) Finally, after we have a broken home, you decide to go to appointments. (laughs) And Corey says, who left? And Leah is crying to Kayla and she's like, do you think I want it out of this? You think that I wanted this to happen? And it's like, yeah, because you filed for a divorce. This, both of these episodes, Leah's going on and on and on and on about how she absolutely did not want a divorce. That she absolutely did not want a divorce, but Corey gave up and Corey moved on and Corey left. But, like, that's not what actually happened. <laughs> and this is classic Leah, right, where she takes absolutely zero accountability Negative amounts of accountability. Blames everything on Corey and refuses to admit to anything. Like, the, refuses to ima- admit to the fact that she was repeatedly cheating on Corey. And that she filed for divorce. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, they go to the appointment and the doctors say that Allie will definitely walk. And after the appointment, they're, Corey and Leah are both relieved. So in the second episode, Leah gets a letter from her lawyer that they're going to have like a divorce settlement meeting and Leah doesn't know what that means. So she calls her mom and her mom explains like, this is where you're going to decide everything about the divorce. And Leah's like, well, I guess this means it's really over. It's like, yeah, that's what it means. (laughs) That's what it means. Uh, We find out that Corey is giving her $500 a month for the girls, which seems very fair. Um, They're in a low-cost living area. Leah makes okay money from Teen Mom, I guess. 500 seems fair. I wonder if he still gives her child support. I don't think so. That probably stopped when he got the full legal custody or whatever their arrangement was. Uh, Leah lets us know that if Corey had cared, he would have done marriage counseling. Now, on one hand, he... (laughs) I understand that she wanted to do marriage counseling, but I don't think Leah authentically wanted to do marriage counseling. I think that Leah wanted to go to a marriage counselor who would tell Corey he was being dramatic and he should get over Leah cheating on him and stay together. Like, I think that Leah in her head had it, like, if we go to marriage counseling, like, he has to stay with me. (laughs) Like, I think if you asked Leah, like, what the outcome of marriage counseling would have been, she would say he has has to stay with me. And I like I don't think counseling would have given Leah the result that she wanted. I don't think Leah quite knew what therapy was at that time, honestly. And I don't say that as an insult. I think that's true for a lot of people before they go to therapy, especially when they're young. Like you don't really know what therapy is. You just hear this thing over and over again, right? Like Go to therapy, go to therapy, go to marriage counseling. You should try marriage counseling. It's like, oh, well, that's the thing that fixes everything. Uh, Corey later says that he didn't want to do it because, like, he was already done. And I think that that is definitely a very real position to be in. Um, I think that people, even if they're not planning on staying together, can still really benefit from marriage counseling uh, in the divorce you know, like a, a Gwyneth Paltrow, Chris Martin conscious uncoupling moment. I think that being in therapy through divorce can be really healthy and great for the family. I was talking about this with someone recently who's been in marriage counseling for quite a while and is, you know, not totally sure like what her relationship is going to look like. And I was saying, like, well, you know, if. This ends in divorce, but, like, a healthy divorce, as healthy as divorce can be. They have children and a house and, you know, they have a a whole life together. They've been together for a very long time. But I'm like, if you come to that conclusion in, like, a a healthy, respectable way and you guys can, like, figure out co-parenting and division of assets and all of that shit in therapy, then, like, I don't think that's a fail of marriage counseling. I think that actually is a successful marriage counseling. And she was like, seriously? And I was like, yeah, I really, I really do. Because the reality is, is a lot of people that get divorced, like blow their fucking lives up and blow their kids lives up. Right. Like understandably, it's just a really, really hard position to be in. And I, I was like, I just, I think that like, if you go to marriage counseling, you both like really put in the effort and you find that you don't want to be together, I don't think that's a a fail. I think that's actually a positive because then you two can, like, come to a decision together and, like, make, be making an active choice and not either, like, slowly dying of resentment in your marriage or have, like, a big fucking blow up or somebody cheats or, like, something really catastrophic happens that really fucks up your life. And so I am, like, pro, even if you don't want to be together, like, It could still be really beneficial for the two of you to go to counseling through your divorce. But for Leah and Corey, like, marriage counseling wasn't going to do shit. It wasn't going to do shit because Leah had so many issues that she clearly had not dealt with. I will say Leah didn't seem high in either of these episodes, but you know I'm going to be on the lookout. You know I will be on the lookout. So Corey and Leah are going to have this... Sorry, I just lost... Oh, they have their divorce, or they have a talk. Sorry, sorry. I totally lost in my spot where I was. And Leah's like, you know, like, we both have trust issues. And she's like, I never wanted a divorce. So once again, it's like, well, <laughs> when you file for divorce, you get a divorce. You know? There's just this issue of Leah never, like, fully accepting cause and effect. And we see it continuously, and I don't think she's gotten a lot better in it, honestly. I think that Leah kind of sees everything is happening to her, not happening because of her. So they have their divorce mediation, and it went okay. I guess they decide on everything, and Leah and Corey are talking after it, and they're like, you know... I think it went okay. Corey's going to get the girls for three weekends every month. Leah gets one weekend, and then she has them throughout the week. And Corey says something like, well, it's not final until the judge signs off on it. And Leah's like, well, yeah, it is final. And Corey's like, you know, this isn't what I wanted. And Leah's like, well, what do you mean you didn't want it? And he says, you know, I just, I knew that counseling wouldn't, wouldn't work because I was already over the limit. And Leah's like, you gave up. You gave up. <laughs> Leah. You had an affair. It's crazy. It is crazy to me how Leah is acting like she did not have an affair. She is truly acting like that's the least important detail here. She's like, yeah, so what? I fucked Robbie. Who cares? That nothing. That has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> like, she's truly like, yeah, so what? what? What's your point? What point are you making here if you say that she was fucking somebody else? And this is what I mean when I was saying that I know more about marriage than Leah. <laughs> because this is what her marriage was like. <laughs> uh, Corey's like, well, you know, I just I didn't want to chase you. And I she's like, I didn't ask you to chase me. But I, I think she did. I think what Corey is saying, like. You went to the lawyer and you filed for your divorce and you expected me to come begging for you to take me back. And I wasn't going to do that. And Leah's like, well, you know, I didn't expect that. I just didn't expect it. And Corey asks, I, this I didn't really understand. He's like, so are you happier now in your trailer or house with, by yourself? Or how it could have been with the four of us? And I was like, yeah, but I thought Corey said that he wasn't getting a new house. I, that, that line didn't really make a ton of sense to me. Corey says, I was good to you. And I rewound this when I tell you I rewound this, like, five times trying to understand what Leah was saying. I even tried to turn on the subtitles, but my phone was being annoying where I was watching Paramount Plus and it, like, wouldn't turn on the subtitles. But Leah, after Corey says, I was good to you, Leah says, there were times that you made thoughts too. What does that mean? No idea. Is that what she was saying? I don't think so, because that doesn't make any fucking sense. But that's... What I heard the five fucking times that I watched this, basically what she's saying is, like, you were at fault, too. Like, we're at equal faults. Like, Leah refuses to admit that she's at more fault than Corey like significantly more fault than Corey. And I'm not saying Corey was some sort of perfect husband. He wasn't. He pressured Leah into getting married in the first place. They never should have gotten married. And they wouldn't have if Corey didn't like pressure her into doing it and being like, this is the only option that we have. But Leah had affairs that like that's that is the bottom line. And Corey says, you know, I put up with a lot. How many times did you go back to Robbie? And it's, like, I'm, like, Camille Grammer. And now we said it. And now we said it. Because I'm, like, screaming this the whole time. Like, you had an affair. So thank you for finally fucking saying it, Corey. And Lee goes, you know what? I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, of course you don't. Because, like, now there's some there's some facts on the table that are not flattering to you. That you cannot argue against. And that's the thing. I think that's where Lee always shuts down. Is, like, she there's nothing she can say back about that. Right? Like, there's... There's just nothing to say. So Leah finds out that Corey is dating. So what she did, this is unhinged behavior. Leah logged on to his email account, <laughs> read through all of his emails. This is her, her ex-husband, mind you, printed out all of his emails. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is Miranda or somebody else, but Corey was basically like talking to a girl about like getting to know her. Le- Leah prints them out. She goes up to meet with Kayla and is reading these emails out. And basically they're saying, like, one of the emails says, like, I think it's good we're talking to each other a lot. So when we meet each other again, it won't be as awkward. And Leah's like, again. So they met up before. (laughs) They've met up before. I cannot believe this. And Kayla's like, "Uh, well, this explains everything. This explains everything. This is why Corey's being such an asshole. And I'm like... No, Corey's being an asshole because Leah cheated on him while they were married. What are we talking about here? Leah's gaslighting me. Honestly, Leah's gaslighting me. Leah is going off. She's so fucking mad. She's like, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, how dare he? How dare he move on this fast? How could he possibly move on this fast? This doesn't make any sense. Now, every, now I know why he wants to get a divorce. Because he's... Basically, she's accusing Corey of cheating on her, despite the fact that she cheated on him while they are married. And Corey has been seeing girls since they've legally separated, post-filing for a divorce. <laughs> also, Corey, change your passwords. <laughs> Watching her just, like, read printed out emails was very funny to me. Very, very funny. This is a world before screenshotting on phones. <laughs> so you had to, like, print shit out if you wanted proof. So she calls Corey later talk and she's like, so have you been talking to other girls? And he goes, yeah, (laughs) you can tell Corey's like, yeah, we're not, we're not together. Leah, I I don't know what you want me to say. And Leah's like, don't you think it's a little too soon? (laughs) And Corey goes, Leah, you filed for a divorce. (laughs) he's like and you haven't been seeing anybody and she goes no (laughs) for a matter of fact i have not and then Corey just hits back with a well i'm sure robbie's been coming over and that's when Leah once again i don't want to talk about this i don't want to talk about this because yeah obviously she was fucking robbie obviously she was fucking robbie i'm excited for the jeremy of it all to come into play for miranda to come into play i'm like let's get ready to rumble Remember when she was, like, going back and forth? This is, I guess, also the season where she has the abortion that she frames as a miscarriage. So, lots of exciting things with Leah this season. I'm really glad that I picked the season. This is a really, really fun season, in my opinion. Like, I just, this is pure teen mom drama in a way that we just don't get it anymore. Probably because they're not teenagers. <laughs> you know? Probably because they're just not teenagers. All right, let's end it with old Janelli. And so Janelle opens episode one of the season. Like, she's the first one they show in episode one. And I said, of course she is. Of course she is. Because she is the star of this television show. She always has been, at least the times that she was on TV. Uh, She lets us know that she went to rehab last season for weed, which I know everybody's going to be like, LOL, who goes to rehab for weed to that I say, like, I, I wish I went to rehab for weed. I wish somebody had been like, you need to go to rehab, you're a drug addict, but you can't be addicted to weed, right? Um, She's on medicine because she got diagnosed with bipolar disorder when she was at the rehab. That, I think about that a lot, that diagnosis. And I'm not saying it was accurate. Like, I think that a lot of people get misdiagnoses, especially if they have some, like, personality disorder stuff. It can be easily read as bipolar or a per like bipolar can be read as something else or you can have severe ADHD that like there are a million different things but Janelle clearly has very serious mental health issues and has her very long time and there's something like very sad to me like knowing that she was at least making the tiniest bit of effort and then it like spirals out of control so quickly. So she is on probation and she has to get a drug test. She's telling Barb that, like, when she got the drug test, she had to pee in front of the probation officer. And Barb's like, well, they gotta know you ain't switching out the pee with somebody else. (laughs) Janelle has one of those little bows in her hair. (laughs) It's just a very, a very funny period of time. Dustin calls her and says, like, you know... You're doing really good it's just really important to remember that like you basically have a target on your back like that po wants to violate you basically janelle thinks she's gonna get a job so she goes to interview at a daycare and she has her iconic line in which she says that she should work there because she never yells (laughs) i don't yell i never yell (laughs) oh it's my favorite i never yell she brought Jace with her to the interview and was like, I can work every day, but Saturday, on Saturday, I have to watch Jace, but maybe I could just bring him here. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Janelle also sells feathers in her hair. She goes to the beach with her friend, Marissa, and her friend goes, so how was rehab, dude? And Janelle says, actually, it was really relaxing. <laughs> She says that she's really, like, been trying to change. She's on medicine. And her friend's like, yeah, I, like, I really noticed that you feel like a different person. You seem like a different person. And Janelle is not smoking weed. And she's, like, really happy. They have Jace at the beach with her. And it's so, this next, the next series of events makes me so sad. Because they're at the beach talking about how well Janelle's been doing. She hasn't smoked weed. I think she says actually didn't write down, but I think she's at, like, 60 days because she had gone to rehab for, like, 30 days. She had been home for a little while at this point. Like, she's not smoking weed. She's passing her drug tests. She is getting along pretty well with her mom. She's living there, so she's seeing Jace all of the time. And she gets home from the beach, and Jace has to get a bath. And Barbara just can't help herself. Right away, she comes in. Janelle, you need to do it like this. You need to do it like this. You need to do it like this. You gotta get the sand off of him like this. And I know Barb does know what's best in these situations because Janelle has very little experience caring for Jace. But the baby's gonna get bathed, right? Like, and also he's, like, not a newborn. So, I mean, the kid is, like, 18 months or two. Like, he's fully walking. He's talking. Like, he's a toddler. And I'm not saying you don't have to, like, be careful when you're bathing a toddler. But he's on an infant and just let Janelle do it. And this is like, I don't love to say this about Barb, Jason Janelle's dynamic, because I do think like, I think in the first season, a lot of people are like, Barb should have just let Janelle try. And I don't disagree with that. But also like, that was a real, like a infant, a newborn baby who like, it's really hard to just step back and be like, okay, you try. When that person is being irresponsible and you have to step in for the safety of the baby. Like, I I do get that. But this is not safety of the baby shit. This is, like, Barb micromanaging Janelle. And I, like, I do feel bad for Janelle in this situation. I'm not saying that this is, like, what sets off the rest of the spiral. I'm not saying that. But that happens for, like, the next few episodes. But it does... It's... It's like if Barb would just chill the fuck out for one second. And I understand that Janelle doesn't necessarily deserve a chilled out Barb. And, like, I understand why Barb feels like she has to do this with Janelle because Janelle is not trustworthy. But at this point in time, Janelle is making the effort, right? Like, she went to rehab. She's passing the drug test. Kiefer's totally out of her life. She's not allowed to see him and she hasn't been seeing him. She's coming home at night. She's spending a lot of time with Jace. She's watching him. And, like, the only way for Janelle to, like, continuously get better is for Barbara to step back and, like, let Janelle try to parent. And, yes, I get that Barbara had custody of Jace, but Jan- a big issue with Janelle is that she just, like, has no confidence and no control over anything in her life. And I think that, like, if Barbara had been able to step back back and just like let Janelle make the mistakes that parents are allowed to make right like as long as Jace is not in danger Barb needs to step back and she will not she just refuses to she wants like to make sure that every piece of sand is off of Jace and I get why she wants to do that right like you don't want the baby to be sandy but like he will be fine if Janelle does not get every little piece of sand off of him they live at the beach he'll be fine I slept with sand in my bed for 20 years, you know, like, I never lived at the beach without sand in my bed as a kid, because, like, not every piece of sand came off of me when I showered as a child, because that's how it is being a kid at the beach, and I really wish that Barb had just been like, okay, you do it, because she know that's the other thing, it's like, we give Janelle so much shit, and we, like, don't give Barb enough shit for, like, Refusing to let Janelle have any growth. Like Barb knows how Janelle acts and Barb also has no self-control over herself. So she goes and she sets Janelle off because Barb can't help herself. And it's just such an unhealthy, toxic dynamic. So they get into this fight. Janelle is like, just let me give him a fucking bath. Like, let me do it. And Barb's like, never mind. Never mind, Janelle. Never mind. I won't even help. It's like, you're not, you're not helping. You're not, you're not helping. So Jace is out of the bath and Janelle's kind of trying to like clean up his toys. And is like, Janelle, he needs a diaper. He needs a diaper. He pees on the floor. He likes to watch himself pee on the floor. He needs a diaper. Which once again, like, I get it. Barbara is going to be. have to be the one that cleans it up off the floor. He does need a diaper right away. But like. Just get up and get the diaper then if that like if that's what you're going to do. It's like this escalating yelling that continuously happens and they get into a huge fight. Janelle is like screaming, of course, Uh, you're not letting me raise my child. Stop telling me how to raise my child. And Barb then pretends like she has no idea why Janelle's mad. She's like, I was just, I was just telling you, he likes to pee. And this is something that Barb does to this day that I would find infuriating if I was Janelle. And I get why she gets really upset about it. I don't think, and a lot of people like necessarily pick up on this dynamic that Barb and Janelle get into these like screaming fights, like absolute screaming fests. And a second later, Barb is like, Wanting to laugh and joke around with Janelle. And she's like, no, go fuck yourself. I'm so mad. And Barb doesn't really apologize. She just, like, expects them to continue going on. Because, obviously, like, I don't think the yelling is that big of a deal to Barb. I think that's, like, just how she talks. And she thinks nobody should be upset about it. And, like, that's what's happening here. Like, Barb's yelling at her. And then she realizes, like, Janelle's upset. So she tries to just be like, why are you upset? What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. That would really, really drive me nuts. So Janelle storms out and Marissa and Janelle go out and Janelle smokes pot. And she tells her friend Amber comes over the next day and she explains what happens. And basically Janelle's like, well, I took one hit because Marissa was smoking and then I figure I took another one. So I may as well take another one. And she said she had three hits of weed. Amber is really disappointed in her. And she's also like, I don't really understand why Marissa like had the weed around you when she knows you're not supposed to be smoking. Which is a good question, but it's probably because Marissa's irresponsible. And Janelle has a drug test next week, so she's not really sure what's going to happen. She's like, I shouldn't have done it, but it's so hard not to do it. So her life is kind of blowing up. She has to get a new car because her car died. And, oh, actually, this is when Dustin tells her that Janelle has a target on her back. But he's been telling her, like, you have to be careful, you have to be careful, you have to be careful, And she gets in the car with her friend Marissa and Janelle's like, well, what if I, what if I really, like, have to go to jail? Marissa's like, I'll bail you out, dude. Marissa's a bad influence. Marissa's not a good friend. Janelle decides she wants to come clean to Barbara, which I think is good. That was a good choice. And she tells Barb and Barb is obviously disappointed. Janelle's really worried about the test. I'm like... A little, I don't think it would be in Janelle's. So, I, what I'm saying is, I don't believe Janelle that she smoked three hits of weed one time. Um, my guess would be that she smoked that night and then she just continuously like picked up smoking again, like and started smoking because yes, weed stays in your system for 30 days, theoretically, but not really. Like, if you have no weed in your system and not have had weed in your system for quite a long time which is the case with Janelle right like it was totally out of her system when you are thin and you have a decent metabolism which Janelle has at that time and if you only smoke like a tiny little bit which supposedly Janelle did I'm not so sure a full week and a half later or whatever the drug test is that it would still be in your system Uh, but Janelle's like 100% sure she will be failing which is why I'm like oh, I'm guessing she smoked that first night and was like, well, fuck it, I've already smoked. And so she was just like back off to the races. She says that's not what happened, but like, I I know that that's what happened, right? So Janelle is like, they're having this really tense conversation <laughs> and Jace is like pushing this big like plastic bin so loudly and <laughs> it's so funny. They just have to stop talking because they're just like, He's just, like, pushing this thing loudly by them. But basically she tells her mom that she risks 45 days in jail. And her mom is like, I just don't understand why you would do this. She's also risking her financial aid because she'll have a drug uh, arrest on her record. I forgot about this, that if you have any sort of drug offenses, you cannot get financial aid, which is fucking insane. Our drug laws are so fucked up in this country. She tells Barb that she's going to drink, like, a detox drink that cleans out your system for two hours. To this I say, like, Janelle's being lazy. Like, if she really wanted to pass this drug test, she could have tried a lot harder. I've never tried to pass a drug test, but, like, do you know how many fucking friends I've had that have passed drug tests that shouldn't have? Like, you get online, you, there's a whole system in which you flush out your system, and then you take these, like, vitamins, because if you... If you drink too much water, it dilutes your pee and you actually get a, like, undetermined... Like, you get... The drug test knows that you've diluted your pee. and, And usually on probation, that will equal, like, an automatic fail if they feel like you've fucked with your pee at all. But, like, Janelle really didn't even try. And, like I said, I think that this goes back. Because if you had only smoked three hits in the last 70 days or whatever, and you have a drug test coming what like somebody that really wanted to pass this would go out and buy some drug tests first of all and see if they're popping right like for the first thing you would do is like test like am i am i going to fail this test because it's possible you're not even going to hit positive then you would get on google.com and you would type how do i pass a drug test and you would see all of these different methods and i think that janelle Knew that she wasn't going to pass because I think she knew she'd been smoking a lot since that first time that she smoked. And so she goes, she buys this detox drink. She said it was like really disgusting. It's hard keeping it down. She's driving to the PO's office and literally like dry heaving. It's so gross. She's all fucked up and she goes to the PO and she fails it. Uh, She comes back to the car crying. She calls her mom. She tells her mom she failed the test and the PO told Janelle that she's going to violate Janelle on Friday. And that means like she's going to violate her probation. Her mom is like, this is really bad. And Janelle is sobbing. I'm so upset. She says as she sobs. I'm like, I don't think it's safer to be driving her car right now. She goes to meet with Dustin and basically the PO offered Janelle a second chance and said like, I'm not going to violate her. She just has to finish her probation, which is another nine months. And this is, I've talked about this before. This is what Amber did, right? Where you choose to go to jail to just do your sentence versus doing probation. Because oftentimes the jail sentence that you would have to do is significantly shorter than the probation sentence that you would have to do. And it's hard to be on probation, especially if you do drugs. (laughs) It's not hard for everybody to be on probation, but it's really hard for some people to be on probation. And so you have to spend, like, these months or these years with, like, this weight hanging over your shoulders that, like, you, at any moment, you could be sent to jail, you have to pay fines, you have to take these drug tests, where sometimes, not a lot of times, but sometimes people will do what's called, like, maxing out their sentence. So they'll just do the jail time. Especially on, like, a little misdemeanor, which is what is going on with Janelle. So, basically, I think Janelle had accepted, like, I'm going to go to jail. She was going to get up to 45 days, and then she would get out of jail and just be done with her sentence, right? Like, her sentence would be over. And then she could smoke weed and do whatever she wanted. And she would have to be on probation passing these drug tests for another nine months. And, basically, Janelle says to Dustin, like, I... I want to go to jail. I can't do this. I cannot stop smoking weed. This makes me really sad. This whole what's going on. We know that Janelle starts doing heroin soon, so I'm sure she's doing other drugs besides smoking weed at this point. But it just is so sad to me that, like, Janelle is so clearly a drug addict. She so clearly knows she's a drug addict. She wants to stop but is like unable to stop and you can say what you want about weed and it not being addicting, but like she is addicted to weed. She's facing jail time and she can't stop smoking weed. That's called being a drug addict. Like If if you are continuously still using drugs or alcohol, despite extremely negative consequences, like you have a drug problem, whether you're physically addicted or you're not. Um, and a lot of people be like, it's just sweet. What's the worst that would happen? Well, for Janelle, it's that she's going to go to fucking jail. She's not going to ever be able to get financial aid again for school. And she's probably never going to get her kid back. Like, those are really, really serious consequences. And Janelle is just like, well, fuck it. I can't really deal with it. And I was mad at my mom and I have no control over her. my emotions. And it's, it's hard to watch Janelle knowing that she has not gotten any better and she's Probably gotten significantly worse would be my guess. We haven't seen her uh, behave this way because I mean we don't watch her on TV. I it's possible I guess some people are seeing her act out on the internet, but I kind of choose to not engage with any of that. But I know that she still acts like this, and that makes me feel really, really sad for her. And this is not me saying Janelle is a good person. I think Janelle is like a despicable, awful human. But watching somebody be like, I need to go. She says it like, I need to do drugs because I cannot feel this way anymore. It's really, really sad. So after she meets with Dustin, she goes to meet her mom and Jason at a park. And, oh, well, wait, before she does that, she says to Dustin, she goes, I'm sorry, but I have to put my son on hold because I have other shit I have to deal with. Oh, janelle 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 So Janelle won't even get out of the car to meet with Barb. Barb comes over to her car and they're talking and she's like, you know, my probation officer wants me to continue the probation. I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm going to jail. And her mom is like, this is, what are you, like, this doesn't make any sense. And Janelle says, I'm, I have no support. I'm so lonely right now. If I have weed, I wouldn't be depressed. I wouldn't be crying. I would forget my problems and I'd be happy. That's some really sad shit. <laughs> That's some really sad shit. And was it just weed? I don't know. Who knows? But, oof. Barb is like, well, you need to stop smoking weed. And Janelle screams, I can't. She says, I have to smoke to get rid of my feelings that I'm feeling. Mm. Barb's like, you don't even have any money to buy weed. And Janelle's like, it doesn't matter. I don't care. She says, I have no other choice. I have no other drug to calm me down right now. I have nothing. I wonder if she's had, like, Xanax prescriptions or something by that point. And that's what she's talking about. Because, like, the way she's saying it to Barb, like, I've, no- it makes it sound like they are aware that there has been, like, some sort of pill that helped her in the past. I don't know. Barb goes, didn't you learn coping skills in rehab? Like, can't you go and, like, walk on the beach? And Janelle screams, that's not going to work. I just need weed. And she goes, I'm leaving. And she, like, tears out of the park as Barbara screams behind her, you're an idiot, which I don't think Janelle even heard. And Janelle is just sobbing as she drives. And I'm sorry, it's fucking sad. It's really sad to watch somebody who we know is a drug addict, who we know is facing serious consequences, just, like, be like, fuck it, I don't care. I don't care. I Cannot stand to feel this way for another second. That I am going to go risk all of these consequences. And I think that's what people who don't have substance use problems understand. This, like, overwhelming feeling. When when people say, you know, why don't you just stop? I think by now most people know, like, you can't just stop, right? Like, most of the society understands that point. But when they... I don't think they quite understand the why of it. And when you hate how you feel that much and you have absolutely no way to regulate your own emotions and you have no coping skills and the only thing that you know to regulate yourself is drugs and then you're told that you can't do that thing it's impossible it's it's really impossible and hearing Janelle just so clearly say it like I have to go smoke weed because I cannot deal with how I feel right now It's really upsetting. I'm pretty sure Kiefer comes back into the picture soon and everything just spirals out of control. It's sad, but also, look, is it fun to watch on TV? Yeah, it is. (laughs) That's it for this week. If you want to hear more from me, go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. And yeah, keep an eye out because I'm going to do, I believe, some fundraising, some abortion funds fundraising. But besides that, Love you guys. Everybody have a nice week and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.